to another episode of the Good PR Podcast. My name is Simbongile Nzangisa and if it is your first time tuning in, welcome and I hope that you stick around and learn a little something about PR. Um, today's episode is quite exciting and um, I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to chat to two awesome young black women in PR who have done amazing work um, and continue to do so, um, who are both working in black owned agencies um, and again doing amazing work for blue chip brands um, and they are on today to sort of tell us about their journeys in the industry, um, some of the difficulties that they face and the challenges that they face and the amazing work uh, that they do regardless, um, in spite of those challenges actually. So um, I'm not really going to waste your time, but before we jump into that chat that we had, um, I do want to give a shout out to Joe Public. Um, Joe Public is an advertising industry um, in, in an advertising industry, <laughs> an advertising agency in South Africa. Um, and they have just shared news that they are now 60% black owned. Um, and how that happened is three Joe Public uh, employees, uh, Kutala Gala Halton, Bume Gobese, and Tolisa Chieshana, came together um, and formed a company called Ikamvala Kusasa, which acquired a stake um, in Joe Public together with um, Owen Maubane of Senatla Capital. And they now own 60% of Joe Public, making Joe Public a majority black-owned advertising agency. And if I'm not mistaken, the first at that in, in South Africa. So that is a great feat for three young black people um, in, in the marketing, in the marketing space. Um, so shout out to Joe Public. And without further ado, let's get into our conversation of the day. We are very lucky to be joined by two amazing young women in PR, namely Tay Lamini, who with three years of experience in the brand influencer management space, is a PR honcho at Orchard on 25 and an avid pop culture whiz. She exudes true passion and vast knowledge of the cultural nuances in and around South Africa, thus con- contributing greatly to her success in the industry. Tay has worked on some of the world's most renowned brands in the FMCG space, namely Corona, Johnny Walker, and Castle Lager, brokering relationships between brands and influencers while delivering innovative campaigns to consumers. Tay is also well known for her contribution to the online platform Guide to Celeb as the fashion and influencer editor. We are also joined by Sewa Mutibe, who obtained her BA Marketing Communication degree at the University of Johannesburg. Immediately after completing her degree, she started an internship program at Woolworths, which lasted for six months. She took a month break and started another internship at PR agency DNA Brand Architects. She started as a front of office manager and built her way up to be an account assistant on quite a few accounts, namely Brutal Fruit, Flying Fish, Liberado, Casa Lager, Rimmel London, Vodacom, Nescafe Dolce Gusto, The Mama's 2014, and Bonang Mateba. 
After four years of great learning, she then continued her journey of PR and talent management at Duma Collective, and that is where she's still doing great work today. We are so excited for this chat. Welcome, Tay and Cyril. So I wanted to have you guys on because a lot of our work revolves around sort of putting a spotlight on other people and brands um, and sort of shouting about them and saying good things about them. And we could kind of go our whole lives without people like knowing that it's us behind, you know, the stuff that they see a lot of the time. So I just wanted to create like this little corner of the internet where we can sort of just like dap ourselves and each other. (laughs) Um, Because yeah, I just feel like sometimes, and also because I was, I was wanting to like listen to sort of PR centered either podcasts or channels and I couldn't find anything. So I was just like, well, okay, might as well just do it. So thank you so much for giving me your time this weekend. Um, I will start by asking about how each of you landed in PR. So um, I'll start with you. Oh, okay. Um, I don't want to use the word forced, but that's, I think for lack of a better word, that's how I ended up in PR. So I started, uh, I started marketing and comms at UJ. Sorry. And then um, I started DNA and I thought that's what I was going to do. But then there was more of a PR agency and hey, it's either you want a job or go home. So I started learning PR. I was a little bit resistant towards it because I, I really didn't like it because you have to like literally be at messy of everybody who's in the media, you know, publications and journalists and literally bag and lick ass and everything. So I was just like, oh my God. But yeah, I ended up doing it and I kind of like it. So that's how I ended up there. Yeah, 100% the same in terms of the resistant thing. Because I was just like, this thing of having to chase after people and sit and I was just like, this is a trip. But um, Tay, how about you? Um, so I, yeah, I also, it was all by chance. I studied, um, film and television production at AFTA. Um, and then I went into obviously the TV industry for like a year and a half. Um, and then I waitressed for two and a half years. And then when that dried up, I texted Zoe the one day in a frantic, like, Yo, I really need a job now. Like, this is serious. Like, my waitressing job is done, like, for real this time, and I need a job. And then she was like, oh, actually, there's this guy called Jay. He's starting his own agency. I think you would be perfect for it. And then she set me up with Jay, and we made for an interview, and then the rest was history. And that's how I found myself at Orchard on 25. And I definitely agree with Sarah. At first, I was really like, I am way out of my depth here. I have no idea what I'm doing. Firstly, I don't like people. And PR, you have to like people. Like, 
you have to talk to everyone. You have to be so nice and jolly and, and oh my God. And like, that is not the type of person that I am. But I think that my lucky, my lucky star about PR um, was the introduction of influencer marketing. Mm. So I think that for me is the best space because speaking to influencers is like I'm speaking to my peers mm. and I'm, I don't actually have to beg them to do anything because half the time we're paying them. It's very different to like dealing with media people and journalists and that side of PR I do not like and I never want to, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah, 100%. I, I want to I stick to dealing with talent and influences and doing that fun part of it but yeah the other part is definitely a trip yeah it's not the one okay since since we've all had like sort of apprehensive starts to to pr did you guys have a moment with like a project or a campaign that you're working on where you kind of like were just like okay i may be good at this and this may be like the thing that i'm supposed to do I did. I last year, last year we did a campaign for Corona, mm-hmm. um, for the leading up to the uh, Sunset Festival in Cape Town, and it was called the Woohoo campaign. It was basically about telling people to go outside and enjoy nature. And we got a bunch of influencers. We went down to Cape Town and like we had a weekend filled with activities. And I was just like, okay, I okay, this is the one. Like the, I think I enjoy more like the logistical parts of everything, making sure that everyone knows where they have to be at whatever time, the activities are set, the photographers are there, things are just happening. So I think I really like when I see everything coming together. And I think that was the campaign that made me feel like, okay, girl, all right, maybe, maybe, maybe you're not that bad at this. <laughs> that was the campaign. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I think with me, I had like two instances. The other one was when I was still at DNA and I was still more of an assistant. And um, I remember we got, um, we were working with Ogilvy um yeah fun facts about being a working in a flag agency anyway we did the broville campaign which was for Casalaga, and i remember one of part of the strategy was having a, a mini broville um you know before the bigger event and i was literally in charge of that one and it was scary it was my first one and i was really scared but everybody pitched everybody had fun Everybody ate, everybody drank. So I was like, great. And then the big event, obviously, it was bigger than us, but we were still involved and we had we had so much money. It was great. I don't know why they didn't continue with Roval. And then last year, I did an event for YFM called Life. And it was a bit of a challenge because now you have you're doing an event for a radio station that's based in Gauteng or Doberg. And they don't really have a frequency in Pretoria or it's struggling or something like that. So, and you know, media also driving to Pretoria is, you need to beg. So it was one of those challenges, but luckily we got a little bit of budget and 
man media came through we took them to pretoria we had fun we fed them you know all the things that we have to do that i hate but we did i did them so yeah it was great when when that happened and we saw the report and i was like you know what i'm putting that on my cv mm. i'm owning it and That's have you guys it. ever um had instances where you had to number one fight for yourself on a team or on a campaign or fight for your idea with client because you know clients don't listen number one um and sometimes they think like they've hired you but they'll think that they know better or do you know what i mean so have you guys had those instances where you had to fight for yourself and your ideas definitely definitely i think every day it's a constant battle where you have to convince clients and show them why they hired you because i mean when we started and when I, when we started at dna it was a little bit like the influencer marketing was very very new so that already we were just trying to fight that and say guys please give us budget to do this instead of taking it to radio or share with us and whatever so it's been it's been a constant battle really um it happens all the time so you it's very rare to find clients that are just like yeah 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 to everything but it's the fun part of the job i guess um i think for me it's a bit of both um i don't think i've necessarily had to fight for myself um on a team i'm more like if it if it happens it happens if it doesn't um it doesn't and i have had instances where I've thoughts for ideas with clients some have been successful and others not so much but i think i've also reached a point where i don't marry myself to my ideas so that when the client shoots it down it's like aligned okay let's move on to the next thing like we're not going to sit here and dwell because at the end of the day it's almost guaranteed that the clients will come back and will always say oh we should have done that and it's like but i told you but that's the annoying part tay that's the most annoying part like you give an idea because you know it's going to work you know you can you can put your salary on it you know it's going to work and then they water it down and you just like okay then the report comes with everything insights and everything and everybody now they're looking at you like uh, and you just like guys That's what I said. <laughs> I think that's the I think that's the other part that um annoys me so much which has made me get to the point of not marrying myself to my ideas is how clients water down great ideas. So you give them such a fantastic executional idea and then they'll say oh my god we love it and then they come back and they're like okay so maybe we should do like this and like that and you're thinking it's no longer what i said we should do now this thing totally different you strip this idea down it will no longer have the same effects it will no longer yield the same results and then it's like okay it's it's your brand at the end of the day i can't because that i can do i i can't want the success of any campaign for a brand more than the brand wants it for themselves I always say that like to clients or to people is that I can't be backing your brand more than you are. Like yeah. at some point you're going to have to sort of take the reins back and 
you know, either risk it or decide that actually, you know, that's not my brand and I'm going to like, play it safe. Um, so, you know, like when you sort of work in PR, you develop relationships with um, media people, radio producers, influencers. And in the instances that you guys mentioned where your ideas are like watered down to the point where it's just like unrecognizable, do you guys ever sort of like, I don't know, what's the word, like back channel with like media and just be like, listen, I know this is not the coolest thing. <laughs> Can you help me out? I guess that's the best part about having a relationship with those people because then you, it's very easy to say, friend, come on, like, like you know, I work on other great stuff. So just, you know, just this once. And I guess that's, that's the thing about media. And I always say to my clients and, and let's say brands to say, we should always have a give and take relationship with media. You shouldn't always just give them stuff, um, press releases and 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 then and expect them to always cover your stuff you always have to sometimes out of nowhere expecting nothing just give them something even if it's tickets or booze or whatever that you're about just so that when times like that come through then you can literally just say buddy come on just this once and it happens it happens some ideas you're just like oh I think I have that more with influences and budgets than I do with Ooh. ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, because in, 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 my, in my team or like in, in our company, I don't deal with media. So on all the brands that I work with, there's always someone else who deals with the media. So I never need to go into that territory. I deal mostly with the influencers. So there are times where you have to ask an influencer to do a campaign. You're like, girl, um, I can't really pay for this one, but, but you know, I've got you. The next one will definitely, or they have to take a pay cut. Let's say origin, ordinarily for a campaign, you'd pay them like, 20k and then you're like i have 12 for this one but don't worry for the next one we'll make it 25 or you know you always have to try and find that negotiation that sweet spots um so you still get the execution done even though you you're not in it um a hundred percent okay um and then in each of your experiences and the campaigns that you've worked on um have you felt that having a young black team changes the way that clients are serviced in a South African context, especially like, I know that we like, there's things that black people bring that are just like priceless. Um, and, and can you guys like give examples where you've done campaigns where you just like, okay, if this wasn't a black team, it wouldn't have turned out like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. I think, um shoot i don't know now i'm definitely trying to think well i was um, thinking just with um the, the work that i've seen that you guys do with corona just by your the use of influences that you guys have and the group of influences that you guys have because my preconceived perception of the brand was that like okay one it's a beer and two, you were working on an event that, you know, I thought was like, oh, this is like, you know, for white people. For white people. And you guys brought in those influences and I was like, 
oh, maybe not, you know? So that's one example just from the outside that I've seen. Um, I think I, I'll, I'll take the corona, I'll take the corona one. Um, but another, another event I think we've done is a, a young black team that I think wouldn't have had half the success if it wasn't, um, was the launch of the Tanqueray Fluor de Sevilla last year, July. I, I really believe that if it wasn't a, a black, um, young black creative minds who put all of that together, you know, from the trip to Spain, um, shooting the content to the actual launch, I really just don't think that if it was our other counterparts, it wouldn't just have had as much finesse um as it did i think it would have just been a very ordinary like launch party just here's the drink and that's it you know we wouldn't it wouldn't have had half of the elements um that we brought with that so yeah i think definitely corona um and then uh tanqueray i i i honestly think that all the events that i attend and all the events that we do if it wasn't for a black team using black creatives, they were gonna fail because I'm generalizing it because if you look at the influencer space, it's mostly made out of black creatives. We struggle so much when, when clients say, please, we want people of color and we're like, ooh, okay. Oh my God, Phil, can I tell you? I'm so sorry, but like, there's nothing that Oh my lord! It actually puts me in a bad mood when I do like an influencer strategy or whatever, and then I get told, "Oh, we need diversity." Like it's very oh, difficult. My soul. Why do we need yeah. diversity when advertising was a white man's job? Do you think mm -hmm. the white people were sitting in the boardroom saying, "Oh, we need diversity. Add a black person here. Add a black person there." But now, when it's black, when it's time for black people to shine because i really feel like influencer marketing in south africa is a black creatives game it's for black like it's just dominated by black people why do we now have to say let's make space for the white man like why and the thing can't is we have something and enjoy it because we're <laughs> good at it why do we have to include the other people and then there's like there's like six white influences and like two Indian influences and like three colored influences. And you have to find a way to make all of these people work on so many different brands. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you're just even adding them, not because they make sense to the brand or to the campaign, but because it has to be politically Correct. Correct. And sometimes they don't even like they don't yield the results that you want for that campaign. And I promise you, black creatives do bring results. When you look at each influence and how they yeah. perform, you will see that okay, we really didn't need these people. Not to sound, you know, rock, like we didn't need them, but it has happened. So the one time I I attended this uh, uh, event, I don't want to mention the name, but there was they were launching sandals with a certain media personality that's very very popular here and um it was a white agency that did that event and oh, god 
Um, no. Is it just no. There's something that's clicking. Yeah, I can hear it as well. Maybe it's just okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm cooking. So, uh, yeah. So, like, we I went to that event, and everybody kept on asking, like, why you know, like, Jesus Christ. What are you making? (laughs) I'm making simp and like oxtail. Wow. Anyway. I might be the only person during lockdown who hasn't made oxtail. Me, I have. I had to. I, like, I was. I was liking those too much work. It is. I don't. Want, I don't. Want, I don't want food that I must cook for eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like the, the event was horrible, and everybody kept on asking, like, because I was I was part of the management team for that person. They thought that we were doing the event, and they kept on saying, like. Wow, like what's happening and I was just like I don't know I'm a guest here I promise you the only thing I was here to do is to make sure that this person is here and they do what they have to do and go and it was horrible and I've attended another event where it was a white company we got to that event and there was and I think <laughs> Orchard was somehow roped in in the last minute I remember how Jay was like freaking out and when we got there they didn't even have a stage and people guests were there like people were there and i remember jay was having a fit I remember. <laughs> like and i was just like and sometimes you they make you feel bad because i think i i mean our bosses then will be like they always want us to work harder because we always overlooked and it's always expected from a black black agency or black people to you know not deliver and we do deliver some years there's no event that's perfect. We know we are always paddling at the, you know, at the back there, running around, and nobody needs to see. But that event was horrible, my goodness. And I it was, was like, you know what? we can do this. We actually do this. Better than these people, actually. I, I remember the events you were talking about. I remember us getting to the event. <laughs> Probably we got to the event an hour and a half before the event was meant to start. Mm. And there was nothing. Like there was nothing. There was nothing. They had no set up. Anything. Nothing. They they called us. They called us and they asked us to help them with a guest list. And so we, we we helped them with the guest list. We sent out invites and it was very it was very like it was so bad because this event was a it was a launch event for a collaboration that a rapper did and this is a very popular rapper mm. and a very loved rapper in south africa so if it had if the right agency was given that brief from the very beginning that event would have been so great that people would have known and talked about it but it was so bad that the stage that we had to call the people to come do the stage the stage got erected three two hours into the event when there's already guests and the party like it was so bad they had nothing it was really really so bad we stood there and were like why <laughs> what is this shit mm-hmm. like, what and we put ourselves into because the guests that we've invited i'm gonna think that it's someone else who did this event they were invited by orchard so for them it was orchards 
I was just like, this is going to stain our reputation for absolutely no reason. It is bad. And we say today, but it was bad. And I wish that brands would like trust us more, you know, because um, I don't know if it's ha- it, it happens with you guys at Orchard, but we live on last minute, last minute brief. I don't know, it's because some other people didn't deliver or whatever. Like, it's always like, I promise you tomorrow we need to deliver to this. Even right now, when I was busy trying to connect, somebody was telling me they need to submit something now and I need to send it. It's Sunday, guys. So I, I feel like brands should trust us more because we really, we really love, now we love what we do and we, we do great work. We really do. Yeah, and it's like, it's not fair that, like, you'll find that, like, black agencies or black consultants are always, like, the save the day guys, you know, when the other bigger agencies have fucked up. Yep. That's all. And then they get their awards and we just, like... Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that annoys me the most. I think... When I think it was last year's Lurie's. Um, one of those lead agencies at that one there by Sloan won <laughs> so many awards and a brand where the campaign was literally anchored by PR. Like everything was done by us the events, like everything was put together, was done exceptionally by PR and they won the awards. And I was just like, you need to force yourself. I remember we, when okay, we- Okay, you guys the- won the awards, but you guys don't even have the balls to then come to us and be like, oh, just mention it in a meeting or something. Be like, oh guys, we won these awards. Thanks to the team. Thanks to this person who contributed that person. It's like, you guys can't do the least number of work and then take all the glory. Like, but I was just like, oh, whatever. I'm not married to, myself to anything. We had to, we had to force ourselves. I remember we, the, it was this, I, I don't know, it wasn't the Louis, but we told them, hey, we heard that you guys have been nominated for this campaign and we'd like to give you our credentials. And we first on Saturday, and they won, and we won, and we're there. We appeared there, and I was like, yes, because if you're not going to say anything, guys, I think you know, which shouldn't be the case, they should literally say, especially if PR is the anchor or influencer marketing, which is done by an agency, a smaller agency was the anchor. Like, the least you can do is tell people that, guys, be entering, can you please get your credentials? Great. That's it. But nah. Yeah, I think that's just a little bit of acknowledgement. Yeah. I don't need to run on stage to accept the the award, but just like a little bit of acknowledgement. A shout out. Yeah, just a shout out. Like this person had a hand in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of like PR being an anchor, and I think a lot of people like don't really, even in advertising, they don't get how important PR is. PR is like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it really is the glue and it really is the anchor in most campaigns. And have the you, minute you want people to know about your brand, you need PR. 100%. And then you'll find that like clients will make the advertising agencies, the lead agencies on like projects and campaigns 
where the bulk of the important work needs to be done by PR. Has that happened? I'm sure it's happened to you guys. Um, and sort of how all do you like that? the time. That all is the time. story. That is the story of our lives. That is the story and, of our lives. Um, because it, it happens where my favorite is when the the lead agency comes up with the big idea that they this whole big idea what they want to do for the campaign or whatever whatever and then but then budgets are assigned and then it's like okay me oh my god there's nothing i hate more than media agencies media agency will get like three million rand of course and then they're like oh and then they're like um for pr we basically like PR, you guys need to blow this up, you know, it has to be so big. Well, well, you guys need to in the you guys must bring the you guys must bring the ocean to Johannesburg. Jesus must descend from the heavens, but your budget is hundred and fifty thousand rands. Wanna go viral? Excuse me. Plus your management fee. Your management fee is included in that one fifty or so. Yes, I think they say agency fees included in the hundred and fifty thousand. And it's just like, sorry. And then the next thing they tell you, all oh, your influencers, we want Bonang, we want mm. Trevor Noah, we want Oprah Winfrey. And it's just like, hi guys. No. <laughs> Wait. And then, oh. and then Wait. The, the lead agency will have the audacity to overspend their budget and then go ask PR, can we dip into your budget? That mm. is one of the yeah no, trust trust me and orchard ain't nobody ever dipping into no pr budget oh, no nobody we don't pay, you ain't dipping up but instead we are the ones who will go over budget because well, uh, you guys yeah. are the heavens and the earth so we obviously are going to overspend and you must give us the money otherwise all we're going to do is just get a few people to tweet about it and put it on instagram and then we're finished you know, but also that but I think my thing is also that's the job that PR will never do. PR will like we will never do anything half-assed. Mm -hmm. If we have to do it, we'll rather do it big and do it right than do it at all, because it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah. So I really do feel like there are a lot of times where PR PR gets treated like the ugly stage sister. It is. It we is. are treated like the ugly stepsister. We we and then we have to be Olivia Pope. We must come in and save everyone and save everything and save the day. And then at the end of it all, it's a thankless job. And like, even though even though brands know that also influencer marketing, that even though they know that it works, they also like kind of underestimate the guys. So you'll get somebody who charges 40K for one tweet and then they look at you like, or they look at them like they're crazy or they'll say smirky comments like in meetings, like who do they think they are, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, we need to start respecting the fact that influencer marketing is a thing and it delivers great results. And if this person charges 40K, like some people are crazy, but you know those people that charge us that amount and you know that engagement is going to be amazing and you know what you're going to get as a client. But influencer marketing, PR, they're seen as shit, bruh, but we always must bring it. We need to bring it. Everything. Bring it. Yeah, I feel like clients have really been spoiled by digital in the sense that 
never before in the sort of the, the old way that PR used to be measured. Like you could, digital has given us the ability to say, okay, we know that 1,500 people saw this article. We know that for a fact. Whereas if they paid for sort of a newspaper article, do you know, they couldn't really say, okay, well, this was sent out to a thousand people, 900 people got it, but we're not sure if they actually read it. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's, 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 it's spoiled them. And like, sometimes I like to remind clients that, listen, you can be so quick to decide that, um, oh, I want to put money behind a print ad in a newspaper, but I'm going to question the fact if I want to pay an influencer. And I'm just like, no, you can't do that because with an influencer, you know exactly how many people will see your product, have engaged with it. With a newspaper, you can't say that. Do you know what I mean? That's that's what we're dealing with. I think that's part of the job is trying to also teach uh, our clients um, what's happening that's why as PR people, we also need to always be like glued, be on the ground, know what's happening because there's a lot of teaching that has to happen in those boardrooms and sometimes it's tough, but it has to happen or else we're going to be stuck in little silly games. Mm. I, think, I think the other difference to it is as much as, um, as PR people, we have to be, have our ear on the ground, you know, we always need to know all the moving parts of our industry. You always need to know what's happening, who's doing what, who's where, like, we always need to know that. I think there is also um, a sense of res- a, lack, a lack of responsibility that comes from, like, the client side because we work with clients who they are in the same age group as we are, they run in the same circles that we do. So they actually do know the impact of influencer marketing. They know the impact of half of the influencers that we put forth, but there's still just a need to always want to be difficult. <laughs> and it never makes sense to me because it's like you as the clients on this brand were at Moja last week with this person you saw, you know, you follow them on social media, you know what they can do. Why are we now sitting in a boardroom and you're like, but why this person? Yeah, And it's like, don't be obtuse. I got an email last week where a certain client wanted to use one of the guys' talent that I manage. And I gave them the rates to say, and, and weird enough, when they sent that email, they were referencing the work that she did and it was trending. And they're like, yeah, this is what we want. We want everything to happen like it did with the brand that the, the brand that you did and the campaign that you did for that brand. Great. Send them the red card, which is still the same as the one that I sent to the other brand. And she comes back to me, passive aggressive, telling me how, you know, there's other talent that's charged way less. And, and, and I was like, you know, like I had to pray and calm myself down. And like, I had to ask my colleagues to help me put an email together. That's not going to ruin the relationship because what the hell, bruh? Like, what, if you want those people, then fine, use them. But like, you saw what it did, one person. And it trended. It trended for two days, I think. And I'm like, well, if you're not willing to pay, then don't be condescending. 
don't say those things. And if you want to stick, like, I just don't get it. And they know that these people deliver, but still, they need to be difficult. It's always there. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, it's it's what comes with, I think, the job. It's like, it's we're either sort of fighting for the channels that we're using or the influences that we're using or we're teaching clients. And it's just like PR has been around for decades. I would even go as far as saying centuries and we're still doing this teaching job. And it's, it's like every time like you get a new client, like a brand manager gets replaced. It's like, you have to start the job all over again. All over again. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. It's, it's quite frustrating, but um, on a more personal note, um, what moment did you guys have to personally overcome to come into sort of your greatness and be like, no, actually, I'm the shit, you know? I'm good at what I do. Because um, I know like imposter syndrome is rife. And sometimes you need to have those moments where you're just like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I do it well. I, I don't think I've had a very much lots of those moments. Really? You need to die, uh, girl. Really? I, <laughs> I really don't think. I think um, the one time when I actually had that moment, again, was last year when we did the Corona, um, Casa Corona Festival at Nairox Sculpture Park. It was three gruesome days in the cold and the brand manager, the brand manager for Corona at the time, he was in France. He was in France when the campaign was rolling out. So he was in South Africa for all the pre-planning, but we knew that he was leaving the week of the event to go to Oh, no, he had left the week before the event to go to France. I think he only came back the Saturday. He only attended one day of the festival. And it was really gruesome because I had to deal. I was literally, I, I was literally, I literally became the brand manager. So I was literally dealing with every single component of that campaign. Um, I was the point of contact for everyone for every other agency, everything that needed to move had to move because I had to move it. So it was three, I couldn't even enjoy myself. Three days of literally just running around, making sure that things are going on on time. Are people moving here? What's happening? Are people having fun? Just knowing all of that. And I think the Sunday night after the last day, I, I had to give myself that like, shit girl you really pulled that off. Like, you did that. You really did that. I think that was the only time. Otherwise, everything else is just like, do and go. You know, it's just like, you do the campaign, you finish it, you do the report, you answer the next. It's just an ongoing, like, uh, there's no, there really is no time to stop and smell the roses. Mm. So, I, I, yeah, I haven't had a lot of those moments. I think Casa Corona was probably the, my only moment. My, yeah, that was with me. It's it's a holistic thing. So for me, it it, it was a matter of therapy, uh, therapy, and someone literally believing in me, uh, and actually allowing me, throwing me in the deep end, and 
me swimming and surviving. And that's when I realized that, you know what, ma'am, you, you actually can do this. Not, not nitpicking on campaigns, but as since my career started, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a lot of things that happened that I don't want to get into. There's a lot of things that were said that got stuck in my head. And at some point I thought that I was unemployable, you know, and I was here because somebody did me a favor. Um, and I had to literally go to therapy because there was other external issues as well that were contributing to how I was feeling. And I had to block out the negative voices, my own negative voice as well. And literally tune myself to say, you know what, you, you actually, you actually can do this. And with that came the confidence and somebody giving me a chance, I guess, from what I was, the confidence I was displaying and throwing in the deep end and I swim. And every time I swim, I was like, oh, you can swim? <laughs> okay. And it would get deeper and I would make it and I'd be like, oh. So every time maybe I end up in a boardroom of a big corporation, that's when the moment will click that you can do it. Like you here, nobody did you a favor. You actually got yourself here. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so we've spoken about how sort of PR doesn't get the budgets that they deserve. Black agencies don't get the budgets that they deserve. Do you guys feel that that trickles down into like personnel um, in terms of valuing people that work within agencies, especially if you're young and you're black and you're a woman? Um, are, we, are we getting paid enough? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I think it's a PR thing altogether because I, I, I can't even speak on other white agencies because I've never worked for them. Yeah, I've never. So I don't know how things are that side. I don't know the budget that they get that side. Because for me right now, when I'm looking at it, I'm I'm thinking it's a PR thing. They don't care if it's owned by a black gay man or a woman or whatever. I think the budgets altogether, they're just crappy. I, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't think in my case, the kind of budgets we get um, filter down to personnel or, mm. or maybe I, I, I am lucky enough to work for the person that I work for um, who is very much about valuing his staff and like showing us our value in any way in which, that, in which he can. So I, I don't know if we're paid. I mean, listen, no one can ever be paid enough. I mean, we, we all want to be millionaires. Like, I mean, I, I can always feel like I could do with an extra 30,000 rand every month. But I don't think, I, I don't think I'm underpaid mm. I, I'm at all. I don't think I'm underpaid at all. Um, but like I'm saying, you know, if more money ain't never been a problem for nobody. So, but you know, yeah. The one thing that also kind of annoys me sometimes with black agencies, you're lucky if you find somebody like, you know, Tay's boss. Uh, but you, we find a lot of, especially black agencies, they, some owners have this hero mentality where they feel like, they always bring the rhetoric of, 
you are lucky, people are not getting jobs, you should be glad, you should be this. And you're just like, but we're not doing each other a favor here. I'm doing the work, you paying me. So stop telling me about, you know, I, and I'm not being ungrateful or anything, but there's always that chat that's always happening behind like, oh, we saved you, saving black creatives, you know, people don't have jobs, and you're just like, no, oh, honey, that's such get what you said. I think that's such a narrative to have. Mm. Sorry? Um, the hero syndrome, it's such an ugly narrative to have. And for me, as a black employer who has that kind of mentality, you are no different to me working for a white person. If you're going to feel like you saved me and I must be like super grateful. I mean, everyone is grateful to have a job in in this Cyril Ramaphosa economy. Everyone is grateful. Whether you work for a black agency, whether you work for a white agency, everyone is grateful to have a source of income. I don't think I need to do extra dances around the hoops and I need to jump through fire to show how grateful I am for a job because at the end of the day, every job is a service. I am rendering a service to you and you pay me for that service. There is nothing more to it. Like I, it must never be. There must never be personal guilt tripping. Um, oh, there, there is in, a lot of that in, and in employment. I don't think that it is right for any employer to ever guilt trip the employee or say things like, "Oh, I saved you." I mean, that, those are very ugly. Those are that, that's a very ugly heart and mentality to have. It's, it's, it's extremely ugly because it, it breeds it breeds ugliness in the work environment. Mm. I, 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 I could never go to work and be happy to go to work if I knew that my boss, every time they, or every chance they get, they have to remind me how lucky I am to have this job or how they saved me. Like it's very unnecessary. Yeah, I hundred percent get what Sarah was saying because, especially, I feel like we're going through a weird period where there's like this amazing PR around young black entrepreneurs and bonus if they can hire people, and sometimes if if it's the wrong person who's in that position, they will sort of make people and they start feel like. Well, you're lucky that I'm your boss and you're not working for Mang Mang over there. And do you know what I mean? I think, I think the way that we talk about young black entrepreneurs um, and the successes that they've had, we need to be like, be careful about so that it's sort of not creating this sort of invincible mentality sort of with them. Um, because like Sarah was saying, it can definitely trickle down to staff. It does. It does. And you get to a point where you're even scared to ask for an increase or they don't even give it to you because you must be glad and happy that you have a job. And it's just like, mm-hmm. the world is changing every day. Prices are changing every day. Can you at least, you know, so it's, it's a very awful and ugly space to be in. I don't want to lie. 
on a more positive note, um, do you guys have a dream client or do you feel like you've already worked on your dream client? Never. I, I do have dream clients. Um, my <laughs> dream client is Chris Jenner. That's my dream client. Oh, wow. That's so on brand for you. Or, 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 or Jenner Communications. Like Kylie, Kim, anyone is a dream client. Um, but I feel like lo- locally... I'd still, I'd still love to work with Nike. Um, they de- they definitely are dream clients of mine. I think oh, they, they, they have such an amazing brand and they just, their brand positioning, their brand communication, just everything is always so spectacular. And I, I don't know, I just don't feel like they're they tied to skim on anything. Like they, re- I think they really believe in bigger and better and, investing in, in in their brand but no i definitely haven't uh worked on my dream client as yet i am still waiting for that moment to work on on many many dream clients not not just the kardashians and nike there's many more i i think well in essay i think i have ish not my dream client but I'm glad that I worked with that client because she's big here. Um, so I'm really glad because she gave me some thick skin. She exposed me to a lot, like this whole world. And I, I, I don't know. I think I started on a high because up to that, then it's like, ooh, his name. <laughs> so <laughs> I just hate to see it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but like, yeah, like, it's just like, ooh, where do I go now? Um, but I haven't really worked on, on my dream plans, and I wish, I, I hope that I will soon. Now, I, will, I will. Last question um, is, I've just lost my place. Oh, um, what, what have you worked on that's made you excited about the future of PR? Wow. Don't, don't answer all at once, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what, this is so funny because I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, um, and I was sort of them about like the state of PR and where we need to go and she was just basically like there is lots of work to do hey bruh there is I agree I agree there's a lot to do and I'm always intrigued by how our industry is always evolving and I'm looking forward to it especially influencer marketing I'm always intrigued to see what's going to happen what's going to work that or what's, what's not going to work that work now um it's overnight it can change and i think that's what's exciting for me not necessarily what i don't know if work don't know mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 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 um 
<laughs> I also, I don't know if I've worked on anything that makes me excited about the future of PR. Um, but I agree with Sio um, in the sense that I am excited to see how the it, how influencer marketing directs or steers the ship for how in, for how PR will um, continue into the next couple of years. I mean, uh, looking at just the content direction and how everything is now always about really showing an experience and taking a brand or a service and personifying it and really just showcasing um, the personal side to it. I think that is one of my favorite things about both PR and especially influencer marketing is how the shift has happened from traditional advertising where you're told you need this product, but you don't actually really know why you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so influencer marketing came through and people started to actually show you why you need um, a product. I think a lot of people, a lot of people's purchasing, uh, maybe I should say a lot of influencers have real purchasing power. Um, you buy things now because of influences and how they show products or for how they incorporate um, products or services into their lives. So I really think that influencer marketing will be the steering ship mm. um, and it's going to lead the PR industry into its next phase. Yeah. And what, what, what made me sad was how this pandemic affected us PR people, agencies, you know, media platforms as well. So I am, I'm also excited to see how we're going to maneuver around what's happening, the new normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, a, it was a shock to my system, I think to everybody's system, especially doing PR. Um, every day when I see that somebody is closing down, my heart just mm. sinks because it means my job is going to be difficult. Especially, oh if, you're, right? especially if you're more on the like, media because influencers, influencer marketing, it's fine. People like here, they can do their work. In, like they can do the work in their rooms. It's fine. But who's oh, shutting down? My goodness, this and that. Now you're just like, okay, which shows can I tag it now or talk to or whatever? And here I, guys, Wait, I don't did you know. say Buzu? Was it Buzu or no, Buzu, Buzu hasn't been running? Has it been oh, how did I miss that? Oh my goodness. That's after I Muhammad was down. Didn't I read something like that, guys? Come on. I think I did. I mean, I mean they're six years late, but it's okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's happening during a pandemic because then we can't say things like this but in all truth and honesty they were really there was really no longer a need or a point yeah. i think i i think i read some I, I'm, I stand to be corrected i think i read something i don't know if it was after we found out that muhammad has passed on or before but yeah I think I saw something like that. So it's just been like every time I 
I see these Cosmo shutting down and what about it? Oh, that's it. That was, that was, that for me was, I was just, that for me was like, I mean, yeah. we've always known that Prince was, was dying. Um, but it's, it's Cosmo was crying. Cosmo was the one Cosmo, like, they Yeah, that's the thing. It's Cosmo. Yeah, I think Cosmo also realized, or they they always had that thing in the back of their minds, that Prince is dying a slow death. And I think they made such a beautiful transition into digital. Like the digital content they were creating was so beautiful. I was just like, they can actually lead the pack for Mm. how other publications and other publishing houses can take the information and the content they want to put in print and transform it and take it to the next level on digital Mm. cosmo was nailing that so much so when it was like asos media is closing it was just like damn they were really trying they were really starting to find their sweet spots and then that had to happen that was a real shame yeah, that was that was yeah, that was heartbreak. I think yeah, definitely Cosmo and then Caxton as well, because I just felt like Bona wow. was. I mean, I felt like they had like their core people. They Bona had, had their people that would always just buy it, um, and they were consistent if anything. So yeah, man, it's just it's always sad to see a publication or a platform go down not only because it makes your like your job harder but also because it's like those are like real people that work you know in that industry and more people are losing it's sad but anyway ladies we've definitely gone over the 30 minutes that i had described but i've loved it um and thank you so so much for coming on um i'm very excited to see how this is going to turn out um you guys gave like such great feedback um and yeah i'm like keen for other people to hear this and like hear pr people talking about pr so um, so yeah thank you so much um i don't know if you guys have anything else to add yes um i think it would be i think it would be a great opportunity for um, this podcast to actually educate people on PR, the importance of PR and the role that PR actually plays in so many instances that people aren't even fully aware of. And maybe it 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 will be the step to us getting a little bit of the respect that we deserve. I hope. And a little bit of fun. (laughs) <laughs> and a little bit of budget, 100%. And a little bit of budget. Shoo. Um, an amazing, insightful, tea-spilling conversation with Tezamini and Sewa Motibe. Um, I hope that for those who aren't in PR and for those who are in PR, you've learned um, something new about the industry through this conversation. Um, And you felt, you know, that there are people that you can relate to in this industry. Um, Like I said in, in the chat that we are always behind the scenes which is the nature of the work um but i hope that this little corner of the internet is giving you a space where you feel like things that you care about in your work um 
are discussed and shared and um, sort of represented in a very relatable way to you. So thank you so much um, for listening to another episode of the Good PR Podcast. Um, If you'd like to continue the conversation, please do pop us a tweet using the hashtag GoodPRPodcast. And I'll be sure to find you and sort of engage you um, and keep the conversation going. Um, It's also a space where you can tell me what else you'd like to hear on this podcast. Um, if you feel like, you know, areas that you would like to hear about are not being covered as yet. Um, but otherwise, I will leave uh, Tay and Sewa's social details in the descriptor for this episode. Should you want to engage them personally, um, you, you are more than welcome to, to do so and follow them. They are both um, amazing people on these socials as well as in real life. Um, and yeah, thank you again for listening to another episode. Um, I will see you next time. <laughs>